Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on The Basic Podcast, where you can hear all of our latest messages, interviews, and more. Basic is a college and young adult ministry focused on uniting people to join in Jesus' work. To keep up with what's happening in our community, take a moment to follow us at Basic Worship or explore our website, basicworship.org. We hope you enjoy this episode of our podcast and that it helps you take a next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the Basic Podcast. My name is Andrew Sladke, and I'm joined here with Carter Moore and Sarah Sladke. We're all on staff with Basic, and we're so excited um, to be here today. And Sarah, do you want to introduce our guest this episode? Yes. Well, we just have a very special guest joining us today, Stuart Hall. And this man needs no introduction, but I'm going to give you a little bit of information about who he is and what he does, and then we'll just have the pleasure of having a conversation with Stuart um, in our time together today, and we're just really looking forward to it. But Sarah, Sarah, you should stop lying right away. I do need an introduction because nobody knows who the heck I am. No, and everybody gonna... needs to see Andrew's Christmas sweater. That's yes. all I'm saying. Well, that, that'll be our image we post on social yes, media. Yes, awesome. yeah. I had no idea that Clark Griswold was uh, yes. interviewing me today. It's my favorite Christmas movie. But yeah, so Stuart, Stuart Hall. Stuart serves as the director of student leadership for Orange and also leads Influencer, an organization whose mission is to fuel the next generation of leaders worth following. He's co-authored several books, is a volunteer girls high school basketball coach with lots of accolades and wins that he would probably love to tell you more about. He speaks to thousands of junior high, high school and college students, parents, leaders, and coaches every year through camps, retreats, and special events. So to say the least, he is a busy guy. Stuart and his wife, Kelly, reside in North uh, Atlanta and are the parents of three young adult children, a son, Grant, and two daughters, Chandler and Cameron. So we just want to welcome Stuart. Thank you for being with us today. And we're excited for this conversation. You have no idea how stoked I am for this. <laughs> I was so amped that you guys asked me to do it. I love uh, all things Iowa and yes. especially love what you guys are doing with basics. So Yes. Incredibly honored. Thank you. Well, thanks Thank for that. You. Yeah, thank you. So, Stuart, will you give us a one to two minute rundown or more so um, of your background and how you got to where you are today? Oh, gosh. Um, one to two minutes. Or, or two or, <laughs> or three. <laughs> uh, as you mentioned, the best thing about me is my wife of almost 29 years. Wow. Kelly and I have been married almost 29 years. We have three young adult kids. Our son, Grant, uh, played football at Duke University, graduated in 2017 and did what any Duke graduate should do. He joined the Peace Corps um, <laughs> and moved, uh, moved to Central America. All wow. kidding aside, we are so incredibly proud of him. And uh, just recently uh, came home in December of 2019 and just recently took a, took a job with an organization that has been in the news of late. Our son works for the General Service Administration in Washington, D.C., wow. um, handling, at this point, the transition between uh, administrations. Mm -hmm. uh, oldest daughter, Chandler, uh, graduated from college in our living room during the pandemic. <laughs> um, wow. But she played basketball at Rollins College and is, like many of your students that you guys work with, trying to figure out postgraduate life in the middle of a pandemic and getting a job right. and all that kind of stuff. And then our youngest daughter, Cameron, 
uh, is 20 and plays soccer at the University of Florida. So we we grew up, uh, you know, they grew we grew up in a in a locker room uh, mm. <laughs> for a lack of a better term. Um, I'm a 30 plus year youth ministry guy. Kelly and I have no plans of doing anything different. What I would love to be able to say that I can do is that at the end of my life, she and I will screech across the finish line with our hair on fire, wow. believing in the next generation. Um, 13 of those 30 plus years. I was a local church youth pastor, and then since 1997, hmm. I think, yeah, 1997, 1998, I've been working in the nonprofit world. Wow. So that's kind of the 411 of the boring life of Stuart Hall. Not true at all. But thanks for that and just getting a little bit more background about you and yeah. what you're passionate about and why you do what you do. Yeah. yeah. So we're excited today to to kind of pick your brain a little bit and, and understand you, you work so much with young people and young leaders. Um, mm-hmm. and something that some of our, our student leaders have brought up as, as something that they'd like to learn more about is how to handle conflict and, and hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, with our small groups, I think about, um, we've, we've got a lot of peers leading peers and, and it's, an, it's really cool that we've got some great groups, but I think that that's always, no matter who you're leading or no matter, you know, what, even a, just a friendship or a relationship, there's going to be conflict and, Mm-hmm. So kind of figuring out how to handle that or how to, um, to, to tackle a hard conversation is kind of what we want to be talking about today. So um, would you mind just kind of giving us a little bit of a, a rundown of, you know, what you know about that topic or, or kind of lead in for, for us on that? Yeah, well, you know, someone a long time ago told me that ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for people. <laughs> um, can you say that? Can all you, the church workers can you say that again? Can you repeat yeah. That? Well, and it's you know I say this all the time. Marriage would be incredible if it wasn't for the other person. And <laughs> unfortunately, I'm always the other person. Yeah. Um, I, you know, con- conflict. First of all, I don't think we need to be scared of the word because mm-hmm. conflict is natural because mm-hmm. you're bringing two opposite entities into relationship with each other Mm. and everybody, you know, perspective is the cruelest form of reality. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. I I think we can learn a lot from her as it relates to this idea of what it means to be in relationship Mm. with each other, being courageous enough to lead one another. Mm -hmm. But the, the reality is, you know, someone has wisely said when it comes to conflict between two people, there's your truth, there's my truth, and there's the truth. Mm. And the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. I think the challenge for um, younger millennials and older Gen Zers, the, the students that you guys are working with and doing life with and investing in, is that the more we have depended and become so codependent on social media and technology, the less uh, acclimated we are to doing face-to-face, person-to-person, life-to-life. Let's be straight up. You've you've got young men that are listening to this, and the last three girls you've broken up with, you did via text. Oh, man. You know, um, there are, (laughs) I know plenty of the next generation who talk a big game about, you know, how much of a player they are with the opposite sex, 
But if that girl that you keep texting would actually talk to you in person, you would pee in your pants, you know, because you, 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 it's really easy for us to stay distant um, because of technology. But the harsh reality is that we all need to develop the capacity to do life on life. And if you don't learn how to manage conflict, you're going to have a difficult time, not just in, you know, uh, you know, the proverbial, if you want to get married one day, obviously mm-hmm. if you can't manage conflict in that regard. If you want to be a parent one day, if you can't manage conflict mm-hmm. in that regard, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But just the interpersonal skills right. of having and developing emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, all the data screams at us that those people who are successful in life, Um, emotional intelligence is much more important than IQ. Mm -hmm. And that, Mm -hmm. that all has to do with how do I interface with people? Mm -hmm. How do we talk about things where there's a disagreement? And the last thing I would say as a general summary, or as we get started is I, I also think that part of what causes tension with this generation is, is how, um, our perspective of truth has changed Mm. because it used to be, there was such a thing as absolutionalism and now everything is plural. Mm. And so consequently relativism is a big part of our life. I think a lot of that is important and good Mm. because if we get really honest and I love the fact that we're talking to and about who we're talking to and about, Mm. if we get really honest, most of life isn't black and white. It's gray. Yeah. And, and so consequently, if you can't learn how to deal with, okay, I think there's an absolute here, but you see it as pluralistic and relevant, you know, mm-hmm. relative, then we've got to learn how to d- dive into that and wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. So right, all right. of those things play into um, what seems to be a growing issue that younger millennials and older Gen Zers have a difficult time with conflict management. That's good. This is wild. (laughs) (laughs) I love that Brene Brown stuff. I could just listen and read all of her stuff someday because that vulnerability and in being relationship is so important. I I was listening. I think it was, I think it was Donald Miller. I was just listening to a podcast from him about, you know, hiring and, you know, the recent grads of 2020 and upcoming leaders in the workforce and how self-awareness was the number one thing that they want to hire for. Like, that importance of being aware of myself, how I impact or respond to others, that communication piece, especially kind of how, as you're talking, Stuart, sure. is so, so meaningful. So meaningful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and uh, you know, Sarah, to, to your point, uh, I think it's in, an, and we're, I know we're, we're going to get to this at some point, but learning how to ask people, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Yeah. Is an incredibly important question. <laughs> Because a lot of conflict can be avoided if we do become self-aware. Yeah. Um, part of our part of our dilemma is we're not aware of what it's like to be on the other side of us. Right. I have learned that more as a parent than I have as a leader, because my children are very good at letting me know, Dad, this is what it's like to be on the other side of you. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's difficult for me to be honest with you. And this is generally what happens when there is conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it could be something as simple as my tone mm. all the way to my facial expression mm. expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, again, I'm jumping way ahead. So no. No, ask, your, ask your questions, you smart people. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting, actually, your, your kids seem like pros in conflict because I, I think what's interesting is we often, I think often of conflict as I'm already in the, some argument or I'm already in the middle of something. But actually, I feel like sometimes conflict is just bringing up a hard thing. Like, um, sure. being able to tell you something that is honest or vulnerable about, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. about you or about me, mm-hmm. um, that's not just going to, you know, s- slide smoothly. Like it feels like I might be entering some sort of a disagreement here, or I might be entering something that's going to cause tension. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. just even being willing to say the thing is maybe the thing that we're avoiding. Kind of like you were saying with, you know, a text message versus being in person. Mm-hmm. We avoid right. conflict, but we actually just avoid entering the zone of. Mm-hmm. So and, and some of that is unfair to the next generation because, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to open up a can of worms, but I do think this needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Part of the coddling of the next generation with everybody gets a trophy. Mm-hmm. We cannot be hard on them. Part of the residue of that is conflict is avoided mm. when in reality it's it's literally an obstacle to to vulnerability and intimacy in any relationship oh, yeah, yeah. because you know a long time ago, one of the things that our pastor impressed on Kelly and I is this idea that that intimacy is to know someone completely and be fully known without the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to that is the fear of rejection piece. Mm -hmm. The the key it's two parts. It's knowing someone completely and without, and being known completely. Mm -hmm. And then the part about not fearing rejection. Mm -hmm. So anytime, whether it's a friendship, if it's a mentor to a, you know, small group, you know, relationship, Mm -hmm. if it's a, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, you know, parents, child, whatever, to the degree that you want intimacy and vulnerability to that same degree, you've got to be willing to be fully known Mm. and you have to love each other so that there's no fear of rejection. Mm. And unfortunately we're so bad at relationships that even in the peer to peer, uh, um, framework, someone says something that we don't agree with, or it pisses. Ooh, can I say, okay, good. I had you a seminary professor said kids. that everybody should cuss once a day. Yeah, you so, um, but you know, it, it makes you mad. It pisses you off. And then you bolt the relationship. Mm. Well, you're already communicating. You can't fully know me. Mm. Um, so I think all of us have to ask ourselves that question. Um, and and this this is sort of Brene Brownish. Wherever there is an absence of data and truth, mm-hmm. we will always fill that void with some sort of narrative. Mm-hmm. And right. fear usually fills the gap. Right. So when I don't know what's true about you because you're scared to tell me what is true about you, I will usually fill it. I do it myself mm-hmm. with assumptions that are so like out there that aren't even close to true. Well, all you're doing is making your capacity to be vulnerable and real with each other more difficult Mm -hmm. because you haven't done a simple thing. Let's just gather facts. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Let's just be honest with each other. Mm. And more times than not, this is my experience. More times than not, if you'll just go on a fact finding mission, Mm -hmm. you realize that you built up something bigger in your head that's actual. Mm. And you're closer to resolve than you think you are. Mm. Part of what causes so much conflict is the narrative we tell ourselves about the other person Mm -hmm. or about the issue. Wow, man. And it's crazy to think too, like when we think about doing relationships with people here on earth, like people that we lead life group with or people that we minister to junior high students, you know, friendships, relationship with our parents. Like we do life and we, you know, have relationships here on earth, but then those narratives or those assumptions or the conflict that we have, what does that look like with between me and God then? Like that, that, I mean, I just got a little bit to the spiritual realm of like, if I can't acknowledge these things or be vulnerable with other people around me or uh, confront conflict in my own life, what does that look like with God? Like, what does that look like spiritually? I I don't know if you have any thing or wisdom to share to that, but I mean, I just makes me think about relationship here on this earth, how I practice my relationship here on this earth is probably how I'm practicing my relationship with God too. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question. And the, the insanity of all that is that, you know, we have a perfect father who loves us implicitly and yet we still want to hide things from him (laughs) (laughs) and we, and we, and we don't think he has our best interest in mind. Mm. No, that's one of the things that I learned. uh, And I know you had said, we may talk about this at some point, but one of the things I learned about my battle with COVID in March um, and in April was this, was this idea that my heavenly father is perfect and he loves me implicitly. And this is not a punishment I don't know why he, why this is happening. I'm not even sure he made it happen. I just know he wants to make it matter. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think that's part of that conflict resolution. And some of it is, is rooted in, you know, however you have been related to, whether it's by your parents, authority figures or whatever, however you have been related to, you will have a tendency to bring that into any relationship in the future. Mm. And so, for example, if your parents were always jaded and always assumed the worst about you, you're going to have a tendency to be much more guarded in relationships because you don't want people to think the worst about you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think it's important that we start relationships from a um, choose to trust place. I don't think we should start any relationship from, I am going to choose to be really distrusting and suspicious. Mm. The opposite, there is a backside to that though, too. And the backside of that is I am going to choose to trust that, you know, that I love you enough Mm. that I'm going to ask you hard questions Mm. that I'm not going to allow you to, you know, destroy your own life or make stupid, foolish decisions. Mm. Um, you can choose to trust to a fault and not see mm. the truth if you're not careful. Wow. So I don't, Sarah, I, I didn't even get close to what you were asking. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a big thought. I mean, I just think, yeah. The, or the assumption that like God doesn't have our best in mind, that could just be the pull of like, how easy is it for me to assume that other pe- people don't have my best interest in mind? I do it with Andrew, my, my husband all the time of like, we get in an argument. Yeah. I'm like, why would I think that you don't have 
my mm. best interest in mind. Like what, what part of me? Well, you pre- should think that look at his Christmas. I know. That, looks that so is, good. I wish you all could is, see how it looked good. That is the sign right yes. there. Yes. Yes. But it's so easy to do that on this earth and with people around us when people, you know, we feel threatened or we feel in question or we don't maybe feel the valued or we carry that narrative with us. I mean, it's right. so easy to do that. And if we tell ourselves that all the time, but we tell ourselves that, you know, God is the same or God is different. How do we make that happen in the life that we're living here right now? So, no, I thought that was great. Well, yeah. and and I mean, we're married, but I, this would probably be true of any relationship. Absolutely. We're And we are, we've only been married for just over a year. So, yeah. you know, but we're still Trying learning. To catch up Stuart. <laughs> we're still learning about each other. What? Mm-hmm makes us react a certain we're learning about ourselves what makes me react a certain way in conflict and and maybe it's something um Stuart, to your point maybe of growing up or something that i need to kind of dig up a little bit of like Mm -hmm. oh i think i have this insecurity because of something 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and it it comes out in in funny ways in conflict but yeah and that goes with you it not it's not like your life is in compartments and you can separate your way you were raised or what you think or the narratives that you have mm-hmm. can't separate that in your work or in your relationship with God or in your small group or like in your family. Those are just things that are about you, which. Yeah, that's good, man. So it sounds like, it sounds like there's kind of a, I mean, you were saying this, this piece about vulnerability and it's a, maybe a choice. Like you even gave that example of, you know, we disagree with something and, we can kind of either choose to be like, all right, let's just not, let's just end that relationship and, and go that way. Or you can kind of push through um, into the conflict. Tell us a little bit about that, like pushing through or the value of kind of getting in the murky water of, the of gray. conflict. Yeah, the, yeah gray. the gray. Well, so much of that is about how vulnerable and intimate you want your relationships to be. I, I am wired this way. I cannot stand shallow conversation. Mm. I am, uh, if you're an Enneagram person, I am a four with a three wing. Um, So right now I am flapping the crap out of my wings because I am, (laughs) you know, having to talk and all that kind of stuff. But I am deeply introverted. Mm. Um, And part of that means that if I, for example, Holiday parties, if we could go to them this year, drive me crazy. <laughs> because, because holiday parties, I would make fun of your sweater the whole time, Andrew. But the, hey, you already are. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, they drive me nuts because everybody there is usually pretty superficial, mm. especially guys. You know, it, it winds up being about the weather, the sports, politics. And, and even in politics, nobody really tells you what they really think. It's just, what about that election? (laughs) You know, it it just stays, it just stays so surface. So to me, um, part of the way that I think God, to Sarah's point earlier, part of the way that I think God begins to shape us and mold us into the image that we already have in him, Mm because we were created in his image. Um, I think, and I have said this before at Rocky, and I do believe that the New Testament especially mm-hmm. holds this up strongly. I think that God measures the health and depth of our, and maturity of our relationship with him vertically mm-hmm. by our relationships with people horizontally. Mm-hmm. The way that God measures our spiritual depth mm-hmm. 
the way that he measures our spiritual maturity and our spiritual health is by our relationships with other people. And this is a question I think any listener needs to ask themselves. If all of your relationships are superficial and shallow, how deep are you spiritually? That's a major shot at, at, at my like idea of relationships. So I have to ask myself, how, how uh, vulnerable am I going to be? Does it mean that I walk up and be vulnerable to every total stranger? No, but in this context, as it relates to my relationship with my wife and my children, those should be the people that I can trust the most Mm -hmm. and, and am able for them to see the real me. And to the extent that I can let them see the real me and know that I am safe here, I'm not going to be rejected here. They're going to still love me in spite of me and in light of me, (laughs) then the stronger that relationship grows. That's the way small groups should be. That should be the mentor you know, mentee relationship. Um, and sometimes we complain about like, I'm just not connecting in my small group. When in reality, you're scared to death to be vulnerable because you fear rejection. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Wow. Yes. Yes. And then, and then the other part of that too, is that, for those people who are leading a small group, I think the work we have to do to build incredibly strong, sturdy relational bridges that'll bear the weight of truth we have to, we, we do a disservice if all we want to do as a, as a small group leader or a leader to some group of, whether it's teenagers or college students, we do a disservice to every single student we're trying to lead if all we want to do is bring truth to them and we don't spend any time building the relational Mm -hmm. bridge because rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. Mm -hmm. People are out. If all you want to do is front them about something that you think they're doing wrong Mm -hmm. or, you know, a faulty belief system, Mm -hmm. especially if you haven't built any relational equity into that Mm -hmm. relationship. So Again, I'm babbling. No. <laughs> There's a um, good story in the Bible. I think Bible that's really, that. really important. Yeah. You rules without relationship equals rebellion. Yeah. That's any like, small group leader any small group leader who's done this for an extended period of time, if you want to litmus test this, and I've 30 years of making this mistake, hopefully I'm smart enough now, <laughs> but go into a brand new small group. And the very without you having spent any investment relationally in a group of people and confront, rebuke, correct, and teach. Well, you'll never see those people again, mm. especially with young millennials and older Gen Z. They'll be like, who, who, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, I don't even know you. Mm. And you're getting all up in my stuff. That has to be earned. Yeah. Um, the same thing happens in parenting. Mm. Here's a heads up. Same thing happens in marriage. Yeah, yeah. As as you guys cling to each other like Jack and Rose. Um, So I think when you're trying to, you know, to bring some biblical truth or some biblical principle across Mm -hmm. without having a strong relational bridge, people are out. Mm -hmm. 
they're they're not going to be a part of that. But isn't it amazing? Because we all have relationships like this. When you invest relationally in people, and they know they can trust you, and they know that you care about them, and they know you have their best interests in mind, and then you say something really really hard, they hang in there. Yep. They listen. They may not like it, but they know you love them. And that's where what I was talking earlier, where I think social media and technology is destroying our capacity mm. because you can't do that via text. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't. You can't you can't build a strong relational bridge when the only time that you are around those people is when you're supposed to be around them in a group. Mm. You have to build relational equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. It, and encouraging to us because one of our kind of internal phrases around orchard and as is that relationships are the currency of ministry. Yes. Um, that's it. That's how we define success. That's if you can call success in ministry, anything, <laughs> but that's what matters is relationships. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, and, and I would add to that Carter, that trust is the currency of relationships. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tr- yeah. Trust is, is the, is the base of the, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Right. And, and certain, if you are, if, if you are bankrupt with trust, it's impossible no to have a strong relationship. And, and I, I don't know if it's Lencioni that said it too, but we often bring up the idea cause I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So I actually mine for conflict, which yeah, sometimes drives people yeah, you, crazy. You and my wife, my wife's an eight too. Oh, oh wow. good. Uh, yeah. Yes. So I'm usually in the fetal position in the corner. <laughs> That's what it's like when I'm too. <laughs> No, it's not that bad, is it? It's, it's sometimes. That's a different podcast, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, mining for conflict. However, circling back to conflict, mm-hmm. it's something that we talk about often that while trust is the, is the base of all relationships, every relationship has conflict. And conflict is actually, that's what Lencioni says, yeah. it's actually good for yeah. teams, yes. for relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy conflict is right. good. Right. How you how you mine for it, how you talk about it, how you deal with it, how you resolve it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and you're right. I've, I'm married. I have four kids. One who's in college. Conflict is. I mean, it's coming in all different shapes and forms all day long, from work to home. Right. Um, so yeah, this yeah. live and breathe it. And I think what we're getting at is that conflict won't go away. Right. So our ability to see ourselves, see how we impact others, it's a lifelong skill. Like, you know, so when we're talking about, you know, the millennials and Gen Gen Z, like when we don't have that skill or we're not practicing that skill, how do we get better? (laughs) Like, so Andrew, you kind of brought this point of like going through it, keeping pushing through that gray matter, pushing through the conflict. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we're going towards. Cause otherwise what will we have around us? You know? Mm Man. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think Stuart, you touched on it, or I, it's just in my brain somewhere. But <laughs> sometimes when you're, you don't even realize how close you are to that breakthrough in conflict. <laughs> but and it's sometimes when it feels like it's the hardest or the worst or the most mm-hmm. volatile. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, keep, and then you keep... pull the you pull the ejector seat. Or the, <laughs> what you, you, pull, you pull the chute and you quit, and you don't even realize how close you were to a breakthrough. Yeah. And I and I really do. I think it's the I think it's the curse of millennials and Gen Z because, you know, I absolutely, I I have more faith in the next generation Hmm. than I have of any generation, maybe other than the greatest generation. Hmm. 
because of their courage. I love the fact that they, they are pluralistic as opposed to what other generations have been. But if, if we can't help them do relationships, well, they can literally become their own worst enemy. Mm. Um, and it's not because they don't want to do relationships. Well, it's just that they have so many things at their disposal that they haven't, you know, learned the, cause it is, it's not science. You can't, you know, you can't be a robot and do relationships. It's an art. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up self-awareness earlier. Tell us a little bit more about the role of kind of being aware of your own self as it comes to conflict. Because conflict usually, or I mean, there's internal conflict, but the conflict we're talking about is usually with somebody else. So what role does it, does it play for me to be aware of my own self in that conflict? Well, I'll use, I'll use our son as an example, if I may. So our son played football in college. Uh, he attended... Uh, Sarah, the same high school where I coach girls basketball oh, nice. and played, uh, you want, it's a, it's a national powerhouse high school. Yeah. Uh, as an example, our son played in the state championship all four years he was in high school. Wow. Um, so he goes to his head coach in between his junior and senior year. Um, his head coach is now the defensive tackle defensive line coach for the Atlanta Falcons. That's how good oh, this wow. guy was. And, <laughs> and, uh, the greatest gift, uh, Jess Simpson, that coach, who's one of my dearest friends gave our son was he said to him, this is who you are. And this is who you're not. Hmm. And because of who you're not, you do not need to think about these kind of schools hmm. because of who you are this is the kind of school you need to think about. Mm. And it completely changed his psyche. It changed his attitude. It changed his trajectory because of that self-awareness. Mm. I, I think about that often as it relates to coming into relationship. What is it like to be on the other side of me? This is who I am. And this is who I'm not. Mm. I am not bubbly. I'm going to ask deeper Diff, more difficult questions. Mm. So that means I'm going to have to pad some of the things that I say. Mm. I, I'm not to be fake, but I just can't because I, I want to get to the root of the issue. Mm -hmm. But um, if you've been around me enough, you'll know that I like I use sarcasm and humor as a way to pad some of the difficult things that I say mm. because it kind of rubs off the edges mm. because if I don't, I can be so straight to the point <laughs> because I don't want to beat around the bush. Mm. So all of us have those, all mm. of us have those blind spots mm -hmm. and being self-aware of those blind spots mm. just makes it easier to keep the relational bridge intact so that when someone's on the other side of me, they can receive what I have to say. They know it's coming from a place of love, concern, and compassion. Mm -hmm as opposed to, you know, emptying both barrels of truth at them mm. and them going, I feel attacked. Mm. Mm. Honesty is the best policy, but if honesty to you means shame, anger, and guilt, that's not honesty. Mm. That's shame, anger, and guilt disguised as honesty. Mm. Mm. And sometimes shame, anger, and guilt is how people perceive us because we're not self-aware. Mm. Right. Mm. So it sounds like the, I mean, the goal of conflict should be, or, or is to resolve it and to get past it, right. To be better on the other side of it. So I feel like I'm hearing like 
if we truly have a good goal in mind entering this conflict, I should care about how you receive the message that I'm about to, to send. Um, yeah, that's, yeah that's you, I think you just nailed it, Andrew, because if not, the goal is for me to deliver truth, put my pistols back in my holster and walk away. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And it's not to make me feel better. It's to, this is what I see. And I want to help you become the greatest version of the person God created you to be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, ooh, this is good. Sometimes what I see could be misinterpreted. Because again, where there's a lack of data, we will fill in the gap with a narrative. Mm. And I cannot tell you how many times I have filled the gap with a false narrative. Mm. Think about the number of people that we have sitting in groups or in relationship. And there is a very deep, oof, a deep personal reason why they don't talk, mm-hmm. why they don't trust. Mm-hmm. When you find out, I have learned that in coaching. Like, here's the reason why that young lady doesn't respond to us yelling Mm. because her dad, her mom caught her dad cheating on her Mm. while she was riding down the road and pulled him over and beat the stink out of him and threw his keys in the swamp. Mm. No wonder she doesn't trust you Mm. as a man, because Mm. that's her, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the story. Mm. So unless we can figure that kind of stuff out. And the only way we do that is by sometimes the way to resolve conflict is to spend an enormous amount of time just loving the person Mm. so that you have to earn the right to be heard. Mm. You have to earn the right to be trusted. Yeah. Mm. You, you highlighted a word blind spots. Some people who are listening who are like, might be, Oh, I I know. Well, if they're a blind spot, they might not be aware of them, but I think blind spot, how, how do you invite people in to give you feedback or like, how do you invite people into, share that with you or like how do you and you know as a listener i'm i might be thinking well, how do i ask people to point out blind spots for me how do i pick people to that's good speak yeah. into so my tr- life in that you know yeah well trust again is a currency of relationship mm-hmm. and i'll talk about my wife and i in that regard mm-hmm. like i want to be intimate with kelly in every area of our life it's interesting you say intimacy mm-hmm. in marriage and everybody assumes sexual and sexual is part of it. I, brother ain't going to lie. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, but it's, it's, it's emotional. It's intellectual. It's spiritual. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to know her completely and I want her to know me mm-hmm. without any fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you guys want in your relationships with your spouse. Mm-hmm. I want to be completely known and to know you completely without mm-hmm. fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. But that's going to require that you show me some things about myself mm-hmm. that I don't see. Yeah. And it, and it really is about whether it's marriage or you're really, mm-hmm. like with our children, mm-hmm. you know, they tell me, dad, you have a blind spot here. Mm-hmm. I'm able to tell them you have a blind spot here, mm-hmm. but how, how can that happen? Because they know my father is the person on the planet who loves me more than anybody. Mm-hmm. I know that my wife loves me more than anybody. Mm-hmm. If I, Oh, this is big. If I can't take the truth from my children and my wife, I'm probably not going to be able to take truth from anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Now what makes it hard is because they do know you better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and consequently you can't like, I can't fool my wife. Mm-hmm. I cannot fool my children. Mm-hmm. We can all fool the people we work with, mm-hmm. but you can't fool the people who are closest to you. Mm-hmm. 
And many times you don't even care about fooling people. You do, like, I don't care what a total stranger thinks about me driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Like, like if, if a total stranger flips, flips me off as I drive by them, mm-hmm. my feelings don't get hurt. It's a completely different thing if it was my wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. If my wife flips me off when I drive by here, her two questions. Number one, why am I driving by my wife? Yeah. Number two, what is she doing on the side of the road? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, like the whole thing becomes much more personal. Mm. So with those relationships, mm. you know, do you trust enough for them to like, do you, do you want the best for them and mm. vice versa? Yeah, that's great. Wow. Well, I knew we were going to get to this point where we were, we were going to say, dang, I wish we had another hour. Yeah. And, and uh, what you're really saying is Stuart, you talk too much. No, no, no. not at uh, all. It's, it's way better when you talk than if there was just a lot of silence yeah. and dead space. Pregnant so. pauses. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're willing, we, maybe we can have you back and do this again for, for Dude, a second. Let's content. do it. Yeah. That'd um, be awesome. I would enjoy it. I got a couple of just, closing thoughts or questions for you. And then you touched on a little bit, your personal battle with COVID and we won't dive Mm -hmm. deep into it, but what we do want to suggest, (laughs) because we talked about Sarah crying on her lawnmower, listening to it. And when I watched it, I was emotional and it's powerful. Um, And we want to encourage our, our listeners to check that out. So we'll link the podcast of the interview that you did with, with Annie Stanley there. So people Mm -hmm. can listen to it. We'll put that in, in our, um, description for this one. Yeah. Yep. But and just be prepared because you'll understand watching that interview just how incredible my wife is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. she is she is the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. There's no question. And mm-hmm. you'll also understand why I want to battle through conflict yeah. because mm-hmm. um, we deeply love each other. Yeah. And the other thing you said in in one of the most powerful videos that I saw throughout that was as you were leaving the ICU, my wife is an ICU nurse. So, Oh, you know, well, she's a hero, man. Yes, yeah. she really is. So yeah, we're, we're going to encourage people to watch or listen to that. It's, it's incredible, but thankful cool. you're here. Thankful you came out on the other side of that with us. Um, a couple of thoughts as we close, you know, for your whole life, almost you've worked in student ministry. You're, you've worked with college students, young adults, junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. It's your life passion. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the greatest problem facing those students right now? And what advice do you have oh, for them? Gosh. Carter, why don't you toss me a softball? <laughs> <laughs> I know you said social media. I agree. There, it's a it, the funny thing is they're gonna they are gonna consume this content after we post it on social media. Yeah, yeah but this is a good. Media. This is a kind of right. good content they need. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not at all. I'm not that dude that berates social media. I just. I mean, when the people who invented social media won't even allow it in their schools in Simi Valley, Mm. we should, we should, you know, we should pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. They know they've created a monster. Yeah. Um, But I'm not, I mean, it it has much more good to it than I think bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say two things, Carter. I I think one thing I, I am most fearful about is that the next generation doesn't understand that everything is spiritual. Mm. Come on. If everything isn't if everything isn't spiritual, then nothing is spiritual. Mm-hmm. And because everything is spiritual, it means that the way that you see your gifting, how you see your passion, what you see your purpose, 
why you choose what you're going to do post high school, uh, how you think about relationships, all of it matters. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I think is the missing tool in the toolbox of the next generation. We don't believe that everything is spiritual, Mm -hmm. but if if everything is spiritual, then everything matters. And so I would say um, that would be the thing that I, uh, I think is the most important deal. That's so good. That is good. And last question before we close, what still draws you to Jesus? Well, you know, my, my knee jerk reaction was to say, well, what, what is there not to love? Mm -hmm. Um, what draws me to Jesus (laughs) is the reality that I believe everything is spiritual. Mm. And I believe that Jesus is the in the flesh personification of the heart of God. Mm. Um, If there is no Jesus, I'm not sure I could call myself. Well, that's dumb. If there is no Jesus, I was going to say I couldn't call myself a Christian, but (laughs) obviously, um, (laughs) But I would, I would definitely turn my back on faith. Mm. But be, to me, the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus from mm. the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why we have a Bible as we know it is because Jesus rose from the dead. Mm. We didn't write the Bible and then Jesus goes, I've got some cool stuff to put in there. <laughs> <laughs> Because of his life, death, and resurrection, we have this book that has survived, you know, antiquity and still moves and shapes people. His life, his teaching, his example um, are what inspire me. The way that he has shown himself to me, especially this year. Mm-hmm. And I am I feel closer to Jesus now than I ever have at any point in my life. And it's crazy. It's in a time where most people feel the most distant. Mm. I have seen and Carter to your wife's what we saw Jesus in the hands and feet of the healthcare workers who saved my life Mm. in a way that I've never seen in people before. Mm. So he's everything. Mm. Um, He's what life is to me. Mm. And without him, I, you know, I do not know where I'd be. And if you're listening to this and you're unsure about him, try to explain him away. That's what I love to say to people. If it isn't true, if it isn't true, then explain him away. But if you can't explain him away, it's true. And then you're forced to deal with it. That's what I'd say. With such softball, soft answers. No, I'm questions. That's so good. Incredible. And, that's part of our mission. We, we believe God is always working, even when we can't see it mm-hmm. or can't feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul wrote that God is in the person of Jesus in all things and through all things. Mm-hmm. So that idea that everything is spiritual, mm-hmm. is it's fundamental to, the, to a life of someone who says they're following mm-hmm. Jesus. You see, no question that's about why it, relationships man. are the currency of ministry. Yeah. God is yeah. in every person mm-hmm. 
and every person is a child of God. And I would, you know what I would add to that? And I have learned this since my, like what happened to me in the hospital and my illness has really, I believe with all my heart, one of the things we have to ask ourselves, and this is a pretty deep theological idea, but what is it that it, that we believe that is preeminent about God? Is it his sovereignty? Is it his love? Is it his grace? Is it his, his power? I am convinced, not because it's my idea, but the more I read the New Testament, the more I read the Old Testament, the more I'm convinced that what is most preeminent about God and his nature is love. And if his nature is love and what he calls us to is love, that they are going to know us by our love. That's why the example person teaching of Jesus is so important because he shows us this is what God, this is how God loves. This is what the heart of God is like. Look no further than the person of Jesus. That just gives me so much encouragement, especially in a day where, you look around and go, I don't think people think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many people that have ha, are turned off by Christians today. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go, no, look to Jesus. Don't look to us. We're idiots. Mm-hmm. Look to Jesus. Wow. So I could see you asked yeah. a loaded question as you've got to get all your equipment back to this dude. <laughs> no, no. They're great. No, this, this is, is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yep. They, and, we love you, Stuart. Yeah. Thanks for doing love this. Love you guys. Yeah. Love you guys. I, and I mean that sincerely. And seriously, thank your wife for me. <laughs> and I mean that with all my heart. Mm. Um, she will be listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those, those men and women who saved my life, we, we talk to my palliative care doctor every week. Mm. In fact, my wife got a text from her yesterday and just talking about how exhausted they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the number of people who still don't believe it's real hmm. uh, as they're dying, yeah. you know, swearing that they don't have the virus. You're just like, wow. So sorry. No, no. I became a sissy on air. That's no, not good. No. Hey, no, you know what you were, you were vulnerable yeah. in your yeah. relationship. If, if I can't trust y'all, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> And I'll never speak to you again, Uh, just so that all the next generation can go, see, he's a hypocrite. (laughs) This has been great. No, that's that's great, truly. Yes, And we'll, like we said, we'll take that um, interview that you had with Andy Stanley. And we were just doing some perusing and noticed that you have just gone through a series about uncertainty um, through North Point. So if our listeners out there want to hear more about um, this time of uncertainty and how God is moving and working in ways that we don't always know or can't see. That would be a great thing to just um, check out that um, series also through North Point as well. So we can we can tag that too, just for a time such as this. So cool. thanks, Stuart. We really appreciate Thank you, you guys. being with us today. Merry Christmas. Yes. Yep, Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.